Welcome to the business of being well. If you're a hands-on practitioner who wants to grow a profitable business without working your life away, you're in the right place. So sit back, take a deep breath, and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone. I'm here today with Dr. Alex Pancoke. Dr. Alex is a chiropractor in Texas, and I'm going to um, let her introduce yourself, and then we're going to dive into her story from there. Well, thank you, Danielle, for having me on. Um, my name is Dr. Alex Pancoke, everybody. As Danielle mentioned, I am a perinatal chiropractor here in the DFW area. Um, I've been in practice for two years now. And well, I've owned my practice for two years now, and I've been in practice for almost three. And I absolutely love what I do, and I'm loving learning more about myself through my business. So you are a chiropractor, which we mentioned a couple of times. You haven't always been a chiropractor. <laughs> what led you to choosing that career path? Uh, good question. So I started out as a personal trainer. Um, I heard about chiropractic when I was in high school from a, a pretty popular chiropractor um, in today's space. And I got really excited. I said, that's what I want to do. And over time, I let other people kind of tell me what chiropractic was and wasn't. I didn't actually really learn about what it was for myself until I was in college. And so I started going towards physical therapy and medicine, which are all great fields. But I, I came back to chiropractic after working as a personal trainer in, in the corporate health space for a couple of years because I realized that I felt like I could help people at a deeper level than what I was helping them at. And I also, I have always wanted to own a business and I've had an entrepreneurial spirit my whole life. And I kind of had this idea that once I got this title and this license, like this business was just going to like boom and blossom out of nothing. And it's definitely been an interesting and a wild ride, but I'm very excited that I, I made the choice. Was there a specific reason why you've settled on chiropractic? Because I, I, my story is a lot like yours. Like I was, um, I was considering physical therapy, art therapy, dance therapy, um, just a lot of other like healing modalities before chiropractic. And actually, chiropractic wasn't really on my radar until just a few months before I decided to go to chiropractic school. Yeah. So I, I was pre PT, and I was actually in like a PT matriculation program where you do three years of exercise science and then you go straight into PT school, um, DPT school. And I was shadowing and working at a physical therapist office and I started to realize I was really bored, Um, but not just bored, honestly. I think it was more offended when I would hear other like stories of doctors coming in and trying to tell the PTs what to do. And they didn't really know what they were talking about. And the PTs like, I got it. And not having that autonomy at the time that I think in some states they have now, but this is 10 years ago, not having the autonomy to really decide what to do with all of their patients or being able to be portal of entry at the time. And so that was really frustrating to me to see that these doctors who had so much training and experience did not have the capacity to really use it. And I was like, I really don't like that. I don't like to be told what to do. And so I didn't want to do all of that. And so um, when I was introduced to chiropractic, actually by my husband, I was dealing with some hip pain that I thought was something else. And um, after 
seeing my chiropractor for a couple of months for this hip, this musculoskeletal pain, my asthma started to clear up all, or said all sorts of things just started to clear up on their own. And I was like, okay, I really like this. I like that um, she has autonomy. She can decide what to recommend and what not to recommend. And it's obviously very life-changing and life-giving. And this is what I've been missing. I remember now why I was so excited and passionate about this profession when I was 14 or 15 years old. And I heard about it for the first time. And so um, it took me still a couple of years to decide to go to chiropractic school. I thought about joining the military and doing a couple of other things. I didn't want to take out the student loans, but then I, after doing what I was doing, kept doing corporate wellness and different things like that. I was like, this just is not me anymore. I don't, I don't really like doing this or I don't like that. I, I can't really create a business. Well, I didn't realize I, I felt like I couldn't create a strong business with the skills that I had. And so I was like, I really want to grow a business and I want to help more people in a, in a higher level. So that's exactly why I chose chiropractic too. It, like at the time, my lens was that chiropractic was the option that allowed me to own my own business and help people at the same time. And now I have a bit of a different spin on that. Like owning a business and being successful in your business just means helping a lot of people, like providing value for a lot of people, right? But at the time I saw it as almost like two separate things, like making money and helping people were the opposite. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so without, without telling us where you went to school, tell me a bit about what your experience was like as a student. Did you, like, did you love the, the education that you got or did you feel like there were holes? Um, I would say a little bit of both. I am the, the type of person that like, if it's on paper and it's in a book, I really excel Um, I don't have to try very hard to do well in school and I know people probably hate me for that but I really struggled with the technique the like the physical side of learning how to adjust I'm into sports but I'm not athletic I it takes me a really long time to learn psychomotor skills and so I really struggled and my husband was in school with me and we were kind of like opposites he really had to work hard and study to get through all of his classes, but he picked up adjusting, like he's been adjusting his entire life. And one of the hardest techniques, which is gone said, he just, I mean, he received it his whole life. So I'm sure that had something to do with it, but he just picked it up and doing like the most difficult adjustments within weeks of learning it. And I was struggling with the most basic things. So I was very stressed out in school. And then I also wanted to own a business and at the school that I went to, I, I thought we were going to learn that um, based on the reputation of the school. And I, I didn't get that at all. Actually, we had three courses, but they were honestly, for lack of a better term, a joke. Like I felt like I learned more in undergrad about business and running a business in my one business course that we had to take. I didn't really feel like it showed me at all how to get started or how to move through, through owning a practice. So I was really frustrated about that when I graduated and when I decided to open a practice, I was like, I don't, I don't have any tools and I'm going to have to teach myself. I looked at going to MBA programs, but I had also heard that, you know, you have to be very selective on what program you choose because it can be a lot of theory and not a whole lot of practice. And I didn't want to waste any more money that way. So I figured I'd go find help from people who actually done it. (laughs) 
That's an interesting point. And we could probably go down a whole rabbit hole with that, you know, where there, there are sometimes people reach out to me and they're like, I'm, I'm going to go to school and um, earn a degree in nursing, or I'm going to um, go back to school to be a, a midwife or even a medical doctor after having gone through chiropractic school. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> sometimes I'm like, I don't know what they want me to say. Um other times, obviously, people are more direct. They're like, I know that this doesn't necessarily like make sense financially. I'm like, no, it doesn't make sense financially to take on so much more debt on top of what you already have. Um, and the, the truth is that the limiting beliefs that we have, the self-doubt that we have goes with us from the career choice we have right now to the next one. And yeah. it just shows up in a different way. But For some people that, you know, they just have to go through that journey. So it brings up the question for me of like, when you, when you graduated from school and you didn't feel prepared maybe to open your own practice, what did you do? That's a really like round. There's a lot. Um, So when I graduated, I also had a very traumatic birth experience my, my last year of chiropractic school. And I was planning a home birth and it turned into an emergency C-section. And to be honest, I had, a, I struggled a lot in different ways, physically trusting myself, emotionally trusting myself, trusting myself as a mom, trusting myself as a chiropractor, like everything, it, it kind of just shook my foundation of who I was and, and I didn't trust myself at all. And so um, I, I joined, I started out as an associate in a couple of different practices and, and shadowing in different practices. And, um, and even into my first year of practice, I really had to learn to trust myself again. Um, and that's really kind of shaped my business, my business model and, and who, I, who I work with now. Um, so I, w- I would say, what I did do is I reached out, I joined Aligned Women and I started listening to the podcast. I start, I joined the actual program when it was still a program and learned about how to grow a business. And what I really loved about it was it was all, a lot of what I, you were talking about, what you were teaching was a lot of what I was looking for when I went to the school that I went to. Mm-hmm. Um, I was looking for how do you start a small business with, with little means and grow it into something that is profitable and that works for you. And when I went through that first year of practice, a lot of what I was learning was not just how to open a practice, but how to trust myself again, how to Mm -hmm. trust my own body. Um, I felt like right before I had my baby, I was just finally getting comfortable adjusting patients. And then that was gone and I didn't feel comfortable. And it changes, right? Like after after the baby is born, I mean, obviously through pregnancy, how you adjust changes, but then after your core is just so different and, and like how you generate power to adjust people is different and it's like permanently different. Yeah. Yeah. And actually it's, it's always, I would say it's all been a blessing in disguise because I'm so much stronger than I ever have been now learning how to move through this new body. I think it's easier to adjust now. And I don't know that it would have gotten, I mean, I'm sure it would have gotten easier, but I don't think I would have learned to really use my strengths if I didn't, if I hadn't been challenged, like really pushed to learn how to use my strengths and protect my joints and protect my body. 
I would have been, I used to do strength and conditioning. I was a strength and conditioning coach and I used to do a lot of Olympic lifting and I'm very, very fast, but not very, very strong. And so I usually just force things as quickly as I can. That's kind of been my whole entire personality. I think I'm learning to slow down and not force things and go as fast as I can with everything. And so that has definitely been a benefit is that I've learned to really think and be smart with how I do things versus like go as quickly as possible. And if you go really fast, then you don't need as much, as much strength. (laughs) That is such an interesting analogy. And I actually am like the opposite, like the inverse of you. Like I tend to have a much, um, like my, my equation goes much more toward the strength side and I'm super slow. (laughs) <laughs> like I I can live to heavy things <laughs> but not quickly and and I can like I can go for a long period of time as long as I'm going really slow it's it's completely the opposite of you that's so interesting yeah yeah no I I burn out really fast I'm, I'm a sprinter at everything I'm like yes get it done and then I have nothing left and I have to rest and so I'm learning to not do that all the time with everything because then I always feel like really excited and then burnt out it's like the flash in the pan kind of and what happens if you do that in business yeah your business doesn't work that way you have to be consistent and you can schedule like one thing that you've taught me and that I've learned through you know some different books is you can plan around who you innately are so that's how I work with my social media is I plan around when I know I'm going to have the energy and I'm very strategic now about how I post consistently in my windows of when I have the energy to do it. Um, But that long, every single day, like marathon type of work, there's, I only have so much capacity for that. I think parenting (laughs) takes the majority of it. Yep. So that is so true. I hadn't thought about it that way. Like there's not a break um, from parenting, right? Like you are a mom every single day. Now, of course, you could, you could maybe ask your parents to take your kids for a weekend or something like that. But those are the exceptions. For the most part, you, you have to show up and be available for your kids every single day. And this, this week, I'm in that phase of my cycle that we talk about where it's like, rest, like just without giving too many details, right? Like just rest. What I mean, I'm on day two of my cycle. So there you go. Um, but days, I had a 25 day cycle the last cycle. And so like days 24, 25, and what would have been 26 turned into day, day one, I was like, I, <laughs> like, I just would be forcing myself to do a live video right now. I'd be forcing myself to like write anything meaningful right now. So I changed my schedule and said, okay, everyone, these things are going to happen on these other days instead. Um, someone else on my team just did that last week where she was like, I'm supposed to be recording videos today. I started my period. I'm not doing those videos today. And everyone else was like, no, you're not doing those videos today. And that's just how we've learned to, to do things so that we don't burn out. And so that we are honoring a different energy cycle, you know, that, um, whatever it may be for each individual, like, like I just said, my last cycle was 25 days. So it's not always the perfect 28 day thing. And we have to just be able to make adjustments pun intended I guess I think it's awesome that we're starting to finally recognize how important it is to honor the cycle because when you look at 
like the best athletes, the best feminine female athletes, they schedule their training around their cycle to prevent injury and to make the most out of it. Um, and also to prevent from not having a cycle to make sure that their bodies are healthy enough to cycle and, and still perform at an optimal level. So I'm glad that we're starting to recognize that that, that can be extended outside of the athletic realm. Well, this is a whole other can of worms that we could open because I studied um, my master's degree is in um, sports science and rehabilitation. And then I did a residency at a chiropractic college in sports science and rehabilitation. I was the assistant director of that department after my residency. We never talked about designing training programs for the menstrual cycle or like in, in, the, in the flow of the menstrual cycle, if you will. Never. We talked about maybe like how female how females are um, at risk of the female athlete triad. <laughs> that was like the only consideration that was unique to the female physiology. It was just, it really lacked a lot that, um, and, it, and it also felt to me like when I started to learn that um, in the strength and conditioning and exercise physiology world that even male coaches were implementing this for their female athletes, I was like, What? they know this? How do they do that? It's like they had been keeping it a secret, you know, to have an advantage maybe. I don't know, but now I guess it's not a secret anymore. Yeah. I think that's interesting. I also have my, my master's was in exercise physiology. And I think it's funny, interesting point that you mentioned that both programs that I went to were directed by women versus men. So maybe that has a reason to do with why that's how the programming was, but yeah, maybe we could assume, but we don't know that for sure. Interesting. Okay, so let's talk more about your first year in practice. Yeah, so my first year in practice, it started January of 2019. Um, I opened up, and I think my second week or my third week in practice, um, it's funny, we actually, it started out as my husband was going to open his practice and I was going to stay at my associateship and then some things changed. And so I, it like just flipped, like he had found the office for him and he had found the space for him and some things had changed and uh, it turned into me opening that practice in that space. And the goal was to bring him in within a few months because I just had this vision, I guess, that things were going to explode and we were going to be able to bring him in right away. And I I started and I I did a few of the traditional ways of bringing patients in. I went to affairs and vendor events and I told everybody that I knew that I was in practice and I did all the things that I've been told that you're supposed to do to get started. And I heard crickets for a while. I, I built a, brought a few people in from those screening events and I think I was just so excited in the first two or three and they were probably lined up perfectly with my cycle that I did really well and then I had more events scheduled and it just seemed like each event it started to die off like I, I stopped having people come in and then all of a sudden like I was like I'm paying money and for these events and and I'm not bringing people in and I started to get disenchanted with the entire aspect of it and just my confidence again it was all of my confidence issues were boiling up um, around April, May. And then I found out I was pregnant. 
<laughs> which I wasn't planning. Um, I was intentionally trying to build my body up to get pregnant within like 12 months later. Um, and I was told that I couldn't get pregnant. And then two weeks later I was. And so all of those things combined, I just felt this huge pressure and heaviness on myself. I was trying to work through, um, different aspects of growing a practice. I tried so many different things. I was like, I'm going to try this course and this technique and this thing. And I just grabbed at, it felt like I was grabbing at straws and some things would work and some things wouldn't. And I would get excited. And the good thing is that every time I invested in a new way of doing something, I felt like I could at least make my money back with everything. And that's where that like sprinter mentality comes from. Like I was so excited and I would sprint through it. And I was like, okay, awesome. I've made my return on investment or I've, I've made my investment back in this thing. And then after that, I would be so exhausted. And I realized that none of these, the re later I realized that the re reason that all of the tactics that I was drawing at weren't working is because they didn't feel in, in alignment with me. Like I felt like I had to do them because I had to make the money back. I had to pay it off, but I didn't actually feel like they were in alignment with what I needed to do. And I was kind of doing alignment and kind of not like I would like for a month be like, okay, I'm really going to do the things that I'm planning on doing or that I said I was going to do with this program. And I'm going to be intentional and make sure I stick with my ideal patient. And I'm not going to, you know, veer off. And then the next month, something shiny would, you know, be like, Hey, this is how you get new patients. And I would completely throw it out the window. And so I was going back and forth between these two paradigms of building a practice that works for me and doing what everyone says to do and, and not really thinking about the, how the practitioner's health is and, and just whatever works. Um, and I ended up after a whole summer of doing that and into the fall, I started to feel really exhausted. I was four or five months pregnant. And as I was seeing patients, I finally had started to get a like kind of steady string of patients coming in. Um, I think all by happenstance. <laughs> And I started to notice I was getting sick and dizzy every time I would address a patient. I would have this vagal response. My hands would start to get really clammy and start shaking and I would start sweating. And I started spacing my patients out because I felt like I was going to pass out between every single patient. And I finally was like, I can't do this. This is going to hurt my kid. This is going to hurt me. Something is, this isn't going to happen. So I, I planned my maternity leave. I started slowing down in December. I was due late February. I started slowing down in December. I didn't take anybody new in December. And then in January, I only worked with two patients who were also pregnant at the same time. So I only saw the two of them for a couple of weeks. And then when February hit, I was like, I'm sorry, here's people that you can go see, but I just can't see any more patients um, until I have my baby. And I kind of felt like for a couple months, I was just twiddling my thumbs, but I also was like, well, I have this time and I can't obviously I'm not going to be seeing patients. So what can I do with this time? So I really dove in and invested the time into learning more and setting up my practice when I came back to use the model that works for my family. And I dove into some other courses as well, learning about how to grow a practice that works for my body and my lifestyle and communication and, and a couple of different things while I was sitting at home. Felt like I was totally my thumb, so I was really learning a lot. Um, so that way I would have structure when I came back that I was going to stick with. When I was listening to you describe this phase of, of that first year in practice where you were like, um, kind of 
following, if you want to say the aligned women methodology, um, and then also kind of just like doing it the usual way where it's like, be available, be affordable, see everybody, market to everyone, you know? Um, and then you felt like really exhausted. I was like, yeah, because you're trying to grow two different practices in the same practice at the same time. And that could only feel draining. Right. And, and like, and it also keeps you on that loop that a lot of people find themselves on, which is like, they get really excited about something that they believe is going to help them grow their, their practice. And so they're excited and they're like riding this wave of dopamine. (laughs) And then that kind of goes away. And then you feel like you're in this dip and you're like, okay, I need some more of that dopamine unconsciously, of course, subconsciously. And then you look for the next thing that gives you that feeling of excitement. And so you just like start new things all the time and never really see something through. That's the hard work to do is to, is to be consistent over the long term with a system or a method or an approach or, or something instead of always looking for the next thing to give you that, that fix of feeling good, but not necessarily getting the results that you want to get. So that, that did change for you at some point. What do you feel like, well, what happened next? <laughs> so then, so I had my baby in February and I was planning on going back to practice in April and COVID hit. And so I was really frustrated because I was ready to do that again. I was ready to jump up and like hit it hard with everything that I had learned. And I really had to sit with it in prayer and and realized that this was the break that I needed. I really needed to be patient and also becoming a mother of two. And um, my three-year-old went through so much with the new baby that it was the time I needed to recognize that the way I have been doing things isn't working. Like I cannot pick up while I was excited about the new things I have learned and excited to reinstall the aligned methodology into my practice, I needed to make sure that when I did that, I needed to be consistent with it. And I also needed to slow down because just running through things isn't going, I can't keep doing that. I'm just going to burn myself out again and end up in the same place. And so having that, I didn't reopen my practice officially until June So having that almost six months off gave me the opportunity to really realize how time, I guess that time is not how we perceive it all the time. Like I always perceive time as it needs to be faster. I've always listened to like everything in 2x speed. I, you know, everything is always (laughs) double time for me. And I like, I don't know that time warp that happened with that six months and even the whole year of 2020 made me realize that time is really actually relative and there's no reason to speed through everything. Um, I I saw things happening to people or people making choices in their lives that really gave me some perspective. Like one was my grandparents renovating their kitchen. And I remember thinking like, why would you renovate your kitchen at like 80 years old? Like, do you really need a new kit? Like, but realizing like, okay, I don't have to like fix my house completely. And I don't have to have all these things done within the next two years. Cause I have a whole more, like a long life to live. It's not all, it doesn't all have to happen right now. My business has got a long 
life to grow. It's got plenty of time to grow. I have plenty of time to grow as a practitioner. I don't have to know all the things today. I don't have to do all the things tomorrow. I have plenty of space and time to do them. And it's okay to take my time to do them. And so when I did start in June, I felt that I had the capacity to really give myself the space and time. And the one thing you said that I learned, I don't remember when I learned it, but that practice is an experiment. Learning things is an experiment. And the only way to really know if it's working is to give it time to measure. And I don't know what that, why, but that like gave me like a light bulb in my head. And I realized anything I do, I need to give it at least 90 days, minimum 90 days of consistent effort. Otherwise, I don't know if it's working or if it's not working or if it aligns with me or if it's not, or am I just going with my, like the emotions that I'm feeling in the moment or am I actually assessing this as a CEO? Like thinking like a CEO is different than thinking like a consumer or thinking like a practitioner. You have to look at the numbers and be unattached and unemotional about a lot of your decisions. And the only way you can do that is by having data. So just that little key there made a huge difference for me in realizing, okay, I'm going to stick with something for at minimum 90 days. And if at 90 days, we don't feel like I have enough data, then I need to do it for another 90 days to decide whether or not what I wanted to, to do moving forward. And so that's how I've been approaching everything in my practice is measuring it, giving it time, measuring it, giving it time, measuring it, and then deciding what to go. I talked with a friend yesterday who is not a chiropractor and she was like, I need help with my business. I'm like, well, let's just chat and see like if, if I have something that I feel like will be a good fit for you or not, or some, if you need something else. And, um, she was kind of interested in hands-on to online. I think that it could be a good option for her when she has the, the, the groundwork stronger in her business. And what you just said, like described, a lot of what I was hearing from her in that conversation, which I hear from people all the time, which is like, when I ask them, how much money are you making every month? Like, how much did you bring in for um, January? And they say, I have no idea. I'm like, okay, let's start with fixing those kinds of things <laughs> before we dive into, you know, um, a new marketing efforts of some kind. Like, you've got to know your business and you've got to know where it's at now before you just throw spaghetti at the wall and hope that something fixes it when you don't even really know what the problem is. And so looking at the objective data is super important. And, um, and yet it's also, it feels scary to do it. It feels scary to look at those numbers because they don't always tell us what we want to see. But without looking at them, we don't know what it is that we need to focus on. So... Yeah. It's also a time management strategy. And one thing I, I think I forgot to mention was I, that made a huge difference for me in 2020 was I started getting weekly coaching from you. I realized that I needed someone and something to keep me accountable to not chasing like every single rabbit that comes like I'm like or squirrel. Like I can be like the dog and up and I'm like, oh, look at that. And so having someone to remind me that you have to take your time and you have to measure in helping me to see the goals that I had are big goals. And if I don't see the results when I wake up in the morning, that doesn't mean it didn't work. Yeah. And so I know for me, especially having that like sprinter 
type of mentality, having some, having a coach and I've always been coached in every other aspect made a huge difference for me. So I think, I think everyone should have a coach and finding out what works for you as, as far as like how often you meet with that coach is uh, invaluable. So what changed over the last, what has it been about eight months now since you reopened your practice? Yeah. So when I reopened, I, I moved into a new location and we got very strategic on each quarter, planning what we're going to do each quarter and sticking to that plan and assessing on a regular basis. I started looking at my numbers, not just quarterly, but weekly. Um, I stuck to the money dates that I have for myself. I stuck to um, time blocking, which I need to go and reassess my schedule as I'm thinking about it right now, because what I had six months ago isn't working for me anymore. And that's okay. And I'll just edit it to what's going to work. And um, being okay with that, I think is a big, something I've had to learn as well is if something isn't working, don't get emotional about it and, and change where you need to make changes. So I think that's been, that's been a big difference. So I went from, in my first year of practice, I, I saw patients for roughly 12 months. And then in 2020, I opened in July, June. So I saw patients for six months. And in the six months, I doubled my revenue that I did in one whole year in 2019, where I had only one child, which meant a lot more time on my hands. I really, really had a lot more time on my hands. In 2020, I felt overwhelmed. We talked about this several times about not having childcare, even though I was trying to build it into my schedule. But with COVID, things kept happening. Um, and even with those things, this, I, this, I realized when I reviewed my year, the structure that I had put in place, even though it didn't turn out the way I wanted it to, still gave me the space and the the energy to it to do better and to do more and to achieve those goals by having some structure, even if it wasn't what I wanted it to look like. So I doubled my revenue in six months than I did in a whole 12 months. And I started a new program. So I started creating a program to show other chiropractors how to do chiropractors and PTs, how to do what I did basically take the shortcut through all of the crazy things that I did in 2019 and, and early 2020. So that way you can have consistency and learn how to take those steps one by one throughout your practice and look at your practice like a masterpiece and understand that no one can design. No one can tell you how to create your Mona Lisa. We can give you this, the tools and, and the skills that tell you what type of paint and what type of easel and all of the things that work best or that tend to get the best results, but you have to paint your own masterpiece. And so that's the purpose of this course. It's called Practice 3 Mix. How do you, it's the tools on how to create your own masterpiece, but showing you how you can figure out what that is going to look like at the end for yourself. It is a lot like the art of adjusting, right? Or like whatever hands-on modality you practice, we're all taught the same way in school, but then we all make it our own art form in some way. You might have learned Gonstead. I learned Gonstead. And the way that you learned it 
at one school and the way that I learned it at another school could be a lot different. <laughs> and so like your gun said and my, my gun said could be actually quite different. And so it's like the same in practice. You, you have to give yourself the autonomy and trust yourself enough that once you have some framework to work with, that you can make your practice your own. And, and it, for me, it always comes back to like, what do you want your life to look like? What do you want your life to feel like? And how can you make your business fit inside of the life that you want to live instead of the usual, the status quo being, well, I'm going to grow this business. And then like, hopefully I'll have time to work out seven years down the road. <laughs> when you've gained 50 pounds and you don't feel well anymore. And it's like, it's really hard to get your health back once you have gone down that path. So it's a proactive strategy if people choose to be proactive. And I see your course that way too. Like this ideally is for people that want to be proactive and not find themselves feeling burned out but it also works for people that are in that space of like, maybe they've been an associate, for example, and they, they know that they don't want to practice that way. They want something different and how they have been taught or shown to, to, to work in their practice has exhausted them. Yes. Yes. And that's, that's the goal is to show exactly what you said that you, you can create a practice that works for you and that you can design a practice that works for you. And that the, the way that we have always been told to open a practice doesn't have to be the way that you open your practice. And that doesn't mean you can't be successful. It doesn't mean that there is no right or wrong way to open a practice and there's no right or wrong way to see people. You just have to know what is right for you. Um, I know people who love high volume style practices and they really function well in that type of environment. Yeah. My course is designed to teach people who are specifically looking for a low volume type of practice, a practice that allows them to be the solo practitioner and potentially be the only person running their practice, if not um, having some type of virtual assistant or virtual help. But how do you get started on your own? How do you see the people you want to see? How do you see them the way you want to see them? So if you don't like to do five minute visits or 10 minute visits. If you're like, I see people on 30 minute visits or um, like my husband combines chiropractic and strength and conditioning and he does one hour visits. Uh, you can actually create a sustainable practice that way. There's no one way it has to look. There's no one ideal patient. There's no, you can design it however you want and you can be profitable that way. And you can go, you can be as low volume as you want to be and you can be as high volume as you want to be, but you can, you can design it in a space that works for you and not just what works for you as a practitioner, but what works for your family, what works for your ideal patient too. So I work with a lot of moms and we do a lot of things during mom hours. A lot of my clients like to work and meet on the phone. If we do anything on the phone after 8 PM or 9 PM, and that's when I'm actually up and awake and busy. And, um, so I do, I do serve people not in person, but over the phone in that capacity, if that's what works for them, because that's what I actually like works for me. So um, I was told the other day that some of the things that I do are unprofessional. And I was just like, but what is professional? 
what is professional? Like I have a practice in my home and I was told that that's, that's not a professional place to have a practice. I'm like, well, I work with a lot of people who are in labor and in birth and what is like professional about that? I mean, I don't know anybody who's <laughs> professional in labor. <laughs> a lot of times they don't care. A lot of times they're, you know, I, I see people, I, I attend labors and they're like stripping their clothes off and like, and like they're, they're totally in their hindbrain and it's, it's innate and it's, it has nothing to do with like being polished or pressed. And I don't want them to be that way because that's just going to slow things down. That's not helping anybody by trying to keep decorum. And so you know, in that space, that's what's right. Being able to allow people to be themselves, like really feel like themselves and get into labor is important. Oh, I just said last week on an interview that I did on my Facebook page, um, right as it's starting, I'm like clicking buttons to make sure that we are actually live streaming. And and I was like, there's probably a more professional way to do this, but I'm just not very professional. (laughs) Like, it's not that I don't want to do my best work or that, you know, I, I miss appointments or anything like that. It's like, I am just who I am in my work. I'm who I, I'm who I am with my kids. I am who I am um, with my friends. Like I'm the same person in all those spaces. I'm not somebody different just because I have my work hat on. I'm still my unprofessional self. (laughs) And I guess it's just really like a lens to, you know, like what, what's professional to one person may not be professional to someone else. That's true. All right. So if someone wants to learn more about your program, practice the remix, where can they find that at? Good question. So you can reach me. Um, my Instagram handle is Dr. Mama bird. It's dr.mama.bird. And so if you go to my Instagram, there's in my bio, a link to my link tree to link tree uh, or my campsite. That's what it is campsite. And there is information there. Um, you can also reach me directly. You can PM me directly, um, or DM me directly through Instagram or Facebook. Uh, Dr. Mama bird is the name of my business and my practice. And so, um, there's, there's, those are the few avenues you can reach out to me and I'd be happy to hop on a call with you and, and learn more about your practice and what your goals are and see if it's the right fit for both of us. Um, as well as uh, share more and learn more about your dream. (laughs) Awesome. Alex, thank you so much for everything that you've shared today. Yes. Thank you for having me on. Do you want to make more money without squeezing more patients or clients onto your schedule? If that's you, be sure to take my free class. In it, you'll learn how to bring leveraged income into your practice so you can work less, live more, and help more people than ever before. You can get signed up by going to drdanielleaton.com and click free.